Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. It's fun to be able to just have the opportunity to to now throw a couple questions at you. These came from the audience, so I think uh, we should just get started. So our daughter is a senior in high school, is failing classes, and not taking initiative to be ready to leave home after graduation. We feel we've tried everything, counselors letting her fail, lording over her. We need help to know how to help her feel motivated to finish high school and leave home and adult. Help. Well, I'll give a quick disclaimer for all the questions because I actually do this for a living. I'm not like a, I'm a licensed professional, so I have to be very cautious that I can give you guys suggestions and ideas, but because I don't know the full background and this isn't an Instagram post, I can't be like, oh, you just need to do this. Okay, it's not that simple. However, I will answer it honestly. If your child's under 18 years old, which makes a big difference legally, and if this is, I'm going to say extreme, so we're going to say a ghost pepper situation, meaning really bad situation, because that question could be a lot worse than we realize it is, or it could just be kind of like, it's bad, but not like there's suicide, not like there's stuff like that going on. So if they're under 18 years old, you still have the option of higher levels of care. You still have the legal right, and I'm not suggesting you do this, but you still have the legal right Let's say your child is struggling with anxiety, depression, those types of things. There's things called intensive outpatient programs. I find out that if you offer something that your kids really do not want as a worst case scenario, meaning like, hey, I, I was talking to uh, someone after my last um, presentation, similar question, and they said how bad it was, and it was after the, after the presentation, we're sitting there talking. I said, listen, I'm not saying pay a lot of money and put your kid in intensive outpatient treatment program. But if you hang that out there saying, we may not be the best people to help you. You may have to go to a treatment program or in another situation, you may have to live somewhere else. An aunt, an uncle, a family member, a friend. I told this parent because they said, well, that means I failed. It would mean you failed if your kid was an adult and they were at the end of their life. They're still starting. Sometimes we have to pull the bumpers we have to pull the safety away from our kids. We have to let them throw some gutter balls. Now, the letting your kid fail, I like that you guys have done that approach. I, I am among the believers of I'd rather your kid fail, high, or fail in high school and have to get a GED and do it in the summertime and be embarrassed and be ashamed because we talk about shame sometimes as if it's only bad. Trust me, shame is bad. If you're shaming someone, that's bad. But I want to remind everyone there is a saying that says, have you no shame? That means your kid should be ashamed. If they really care, which by the way they do, any of your kids failing, I guarantee you they're not like, Siri, remind me to not try in school so I can disappoint my parents and dishonor my family. No one's trying to shame their family on purpose. In fact, it's usually they're so scared that they, if they really did try, and then they failed, that would be a bigger failure. So they don't try at all. So intensive outpatient treatment program, hanging that over their head, 
saying, hey, listen, we may not be the best people for you. You got four weeks or three weeks. If you don't turn your grades around, this, that, and the other, we're going to have to start looking for somewhere else for you to stay. And when I have parents hear from me that your kid may have to go live somewhere else at a residential treatment center or live somewhere else, they usually, <sighs> I mean, it's panic. It's scary. And I say, if you do what you've always done, you get what you always got. I didn't make up the rules of the universe. That's just the way it is. You don't have to punish your kid to just state a simple truth. We can't continue sponsoring this type of behavior because you're sponsoring it. You're literally paying for all their luxuries, and then they're like, well, I don't want to do my homework. And then you may get snarky, well, I don't want to pay your cell phone bill. And then it gets into a fight. Well, that doesn't do anything, but you come down to the teenage level, now they're affecting your behavior more than you're affecting theirs. So if you don't make it personal and you use statements, they'll sound like this. I think we failed you. As much as we loved you, we have not been able to give you the support and the care and everything that you need. Even though we've bought you all these amazing things, obviously we're not doing it what you need in the way you need to do it. So I think it might be time that we look elsewhere. Have you ever heard that saying, walk softly and carry a big stick? The toughest people in my life that I've been scared of, they were very quiet. I did not pick a fight with those guys. Those guys scared me. The people who run their mouth all the time, like, ah, be quiet. But the people who just sat there and just looked at me and said, I don't like how you spoke to me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Those were the people that I was much more fearful of. And like I said, there's some things your kids should be ashamed of. That's powerful, man. And you know that's so tough to do when you haven't done it. Well, so. this is the ultimate, I want my kids to like me, Dad. Yeah. He's like, can I make you laugh? And after a while, like, Dad... That doesn't work anymore. So you had to switch up your game. Had to take those bumpers off, man. That's tough. So I appreciate what you're saying. That's a good question. Uh, how about this one? This comes from the audience as well. I love my child, but I really don't like them. They, Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. They have broken my trust. They are lazy. They would rather fight than have a relationship. How can I keep trying? Well, first of all, thank you for the confession and the question, because I can tell in that question, no parent ever wants to be in that place where you have bad thoughts about your kids. <laughs> You're kind of wishing maybe they could have something bad happen to them that like teaches them a lesson, because you know you don't have the ability to lay the heavy hand on them, so you're kind of hoping that life kind of gives it to them, but not too bad. Like, you don't want them beat up and put in jail. You just want them to like feel it sting a little bit. I totally get it, have had that confession from many parents. So you're human, you're regular, that's not abnormal. And the truth of the matter is, that's not what you're really feeling. Raise your hand here if you've ever heard, anger is a secondary emotion. Anyone ever hear that? That's a parent who's angry, but what they really are is they're hurt. They've put time, effort, attention. In fact, parents like that, will probably focus on that child more and neglect other responsibilities. And at the end of the night, they're like, I'm not even a good parent over here reading with my kid and doing this, all because of the squeaky wheel. And then it creates even more resentment because they're sucking your life energy. And of course, you're going to resent someone who makes your life harder. Just like I quoted earlier, a gentleman said, love in his definition means help. If you're helping them and it's a one-way street and they're not helping you back, it's not that your kids are just being disrespectful. You're feeling like they don't love you. And as a parent, I don't know too many more things that can be hurtful 
than disrespect because it feels like they don't love you. For this parent, you really need to use statements versus questions because I can guarantee you, you've fallen into that trap. Why? Because questions are easy. You don't have to go to a school or university and I need a degree, a PhD, and freaking out. Oh, it comes natural. You don't have to watch a YouTube video like, how do I lose it on my kids? Okay, step one, use my eyebrows, get mad, take away all their personal belongings, threaten everything that I would actually never do, but it just makes me sound tough at that moment. If you start to use statements, I want you to watch your facial expressions. One of the tools I didn't get into, which is a good answer to this one, try video, video journaling. Anyone ever hear that saying, the, vi the camera does not lie? Technically, that's not true. We've proven in 2022 with Instagram and social media, the camera does lie. It's called a selfie. Filter, filter, filter. You put it 50 feet up in the air, like it makes me look thinner. Like I do that. Well, if, if I was still on social media, I'd probably do that. But my point is, when we lead with statements, our body language looks different. When we lead with questions, it looks really bad. How would you know? Do you have a camera following you around all day long, looking at your crusty? What do the kids call it? It's called RBF. Yeah, RBF. Or for men, RDF. Figure that one out on your own. I'm not trying to be inappropriate. <laughs> okay? So think about it. You may think that you're just sharing your love. I had a, an example. I had a dad about six foot seven, about 375 pounds, worked up at Kennecott, big old tough guy. He's like, I, I show my kids I love them all the time. I go, you do? I was looking at the kids. They're like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, would you mind me recording you on my cell phone, you telling your kids you love them? He wasn't, honestly, he admits he wasn't smart enough to realize that was a trap, what I was doing. <laughs> he goes, okay. Turned towards his kid and he goes, you know I love you, right? <laughs> I was just, Autumn questions are bad. I'm like, <laughs> and his kids were like, see, that's what we're dealing with. They were little. He was a giant. I go, first of all, you're six foot seven. You look like you want to kill them. And second of all, I know you just said it, but who says, you know, I love you, right? But, but that doesn't make any sense. And I said, now I'm going to record. So I had him look at that. He was like, ah, oh, my double chin. I go, yeah, we'll deal with that later. Okay. He was very, like, he didn't realize what he looked like, right? Mean and he's like, man, I'm not 21 anymore. Yep, it's just a store in the mall, forever 21, okay? So he did it differently. I go, now I want you to look at your kids and just say, I love you, and then tell them why. He broke down crying admitted his dad never said he loved him to him. He was, I don't even know how to say I love you. And then he watched that video, and he was like, that's the dad I want to be. His body language and his words matched. And when someone's words and their body language does not match, guess which one you believe? The body language. Specifically, 55% of our communication is facial communication. People talk about, like, you know, body language is like 90%, 80%. That's not the one I'm really focused on. It's facial expressions. Have you ever tried to return something? I tried to return something to a store. It was 31 days. And the lady said, sorry, you can't return it. And I was like, I don't really think you're sorry, to be totally honest, despite the impression I'm getting right now. And so I went with her body. Her facial expression was like, I'm tired. I want to get out of here. I don't really care about you, mister. Because I was like, really, 31 days, can't you? And she's like, you're not, I don't listen to your podcast. I don't know who the heck you are. 
You're not, you didn't save my kid. I'm not giving you hookups. So we always pay attention to the facial expressions. So if you're doing a video journal, that means you took your phone, you put it on airplane mode so no one can text or call, you flip it around so you're just looking at the camera because you, this doesn't work if you're staring at yourself, talking to yourself. And then you put it on record and you just start talking as if you're talking to your kid. You know they're going to come home. You don't want to blow up the relationship. And you start saying, hey, what? Okay, he said, I can't do that. I was really worried when I couldn't get a hold of you. I'm assuming that you wouldn't have tried to worry me on purpose, connection before concern. But I wanted to let you know that I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt that your battery died and all the 12 people with you, their batteries died too. I'm just going to assume that's what happened. And I'm also going to assume next time you're not going to let your battery die because when your battery dies, I'm scared that you died. They feel that because it's not personal. You're tapping into their heart. They actually don't want to hurt your feelings. They just don't want to get their freedoms taken away. And also, they don't want to disappoint you. Powerful. Yeah, the video is crazy. It tells the truth. Yeah, video journals, yeah, video camera does not lie. The still camera lies. That was my point of that whole <laughs> entire right. joke. Yeah, the video right. camera does not lie. When you see yourself act a certain way, you're like, oh my gosh, I am like my parent. <laughs> I do freak out just like they did. Yeah. No, do we got right. time for a couple more? Yeah, Two let's more do a couple more. Yeah. These oh, are great. Yeah. Our child, oh man, this one's heavy. Okay. Our child has self-harmed before. Now, every time he is angry or upset, I worry he's at a level five. Any tips for how to respond? Yes, I like the, the level five because you see the level four, and sometimes that does not illustrate how scary and how fearful you are. First off, my heart goes out to you, whoever put in that question. Um, all joking aside, I know we're, you know we're trying to be entertaining and, you know, Maybe we had a couple of good jokes. You had really good jokes. I don't know about all mine. Okay. I got I to I gotta iron mine out. You can coach me on that. However, when you're parenting scared, it's like a hostage situation. You're literally fearful that every word that comes out of your mouth, if it lands wrong, if it's said wrong, if it offends in any sort of way whatsoever, this could be a life or death situation. And having been in many of those life or death situations, I can testify to you that, again, statements is the way to go. I believe I told this story last time. I'll do a very short version of this story. I used to work in psychiatric hospitals. And every now and then you'd get a kid come in there that you knew for a fact this was not going to end well because they were what I called a repeat offender. They kept on coming back for multiple suicide attempts. But one particular girl, one particular time, and I'll never forget this, she was 14 years old and her chart said she was raped 14 times. Oh, and she let you know, too. You said, hey, can you do your chores? Can you do this? Can you come to group? No, I don't have to do anything. And she was very like, I've been through this. I've been through that. You can't make me do anything. Well, she liked me because I was silly and I was dumb, and I would put her name in songs, the popular songs. We'd joke around, say songs, and she'd be like, oh, you're kind of stupid, but I kind of like you. And so I made her laugh. And, and so one day, or not one day, but one of her visits, because she had multiple visits, she came back to the hospital and I talked to her. All of a sudden, she was, seemed like she was placating. She was kind of playing a little bit, like pretending to be better. I go away for the weekend. I come back. 
I find out she's about to get discharged. I'm like, she's getting discharged. She should not be discharged. She's, in my opinion, wasn't safe enough to leave. Something was suspicious. So I went up to her, and I started complimenting her, telling her how proud I was of her that she put in the work. And how I'm so proud of her that after all these times, this is the time that she's finally going to go home. She's going to say what she needs to say to her parents because her parents were homeless, and they didn't have custody of her, but she was supposed to meet with them. I said, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you're going to be successful. And every time I kept on getting her, giving her compliments, she kept on putting her head down, head down, until she was like in this in her lap. And she said, fine, I'm not okay. I'm actually going home, and I'm going to be successful in suicide because I'm going to do something more, more violent. And I looked at her, and she said, you can't stop me. I'm determined. I'm going to do it. So if you go and tell those people, I'll just deny it. Eventually, they got to let me out of here. They can't keep me here forever, which, by the way, she was right on all accounts. I can't stop her. They can't keep her there forever. And so at that particular moment, all my graduate school books, everything I'd learned out the window, I was like, I have no idea what to say right now. But I did know every time the nurses said, what's wrong? It really pissed her off. Every time I was in a difficult situation with teenagers and I asked them a question, it pissed them off. So I knew don't ask, well, why do you want to take your life? Because if I really did know her, that would be such a disrespectful question to our relationship. When you feel that someone should know you well, your parent, and if they ask you a dumb question, it's just the same way if your best friend or someone that you cares for you asks you a dumb question, you're like, are you serious? Like, I told you why I'm hurting. You know this. It feels disrespectful. So at that moment, I did something that I wasn't sure, and I took a guess. I looked at her, and I said, so based upon all these reasons, you don't want to live. You want to give up. And I went through all those reasons to identify. She's like, yep, 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 yep. She goes, yep, exactly. And I said, well, if I were you, I'd want to take my life too. And she looked at me, and her jaw dropped. And with tears coming down her eyes, she's like, right? I'm not crazy, right? I said, no, you're not crazy. And she said, everybody here makes me feel like I'm crazy. And she broke down and started crying. After she got done crying, I was like, I was really scared I said the wrong thing because the first thing they tell you to do is ask questions to get someone to admit they're suicidal. And I did the complete opposite. And then I stopped and said, by the way, just so I'm clear, you know I don't want you to take your life. She goes, oh, I know. I'm not stupid. She goes, I knew what you meant. She said, but finally someone didn't make me feel crazy. I go, you're not crazy. You had a crazy life. You are not what you've been through. This isn't who you are. It's just what you're going through. I learned a valuable lesson that day. It takes a lot of bravery to make a bold statement like that. But wouldn't you do that for a friend? How many of you have had a friend break down to you and say, I'm horrible, I suck, I'm not beautiful, I'm dumb, I'm not intelligent? It's like, well, you are to me. You're smart, you're intelligent. If it wasn't for me, I wouldn't be here. You're my ride or die friend. You always have my back. And they're sitting there going, oh, that's true, I was there for you. And you are kind of crazy sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, your friend's like, you're right. I, I'm not that bad of a person. You would never give the keys to someone who's intoxicated with drugs or alcohol and tell them to drive home. You don't want like, someone that's not in a good mental health place to make long-term life decisions for themselves at that particular moment. So statements work. I think you should really use statements and focus on those. I'm not trying to go back to, oh, just use statements for everything. I'm saying it's a baseline. Once you use statements, you get better information. 
I was not the smartest kid in the graduate school. I was not the smartest kid in any school I've ever been through and any team I've ever played in. But when I figured out this one hack with human psychology, I realized I will never take the risk of saying, what's wrong? What's bothering you? Are you okay? The only time I get away with that, if it's like my best friend and someone's in a good place and it's not really a confrontational situation. I always lead with statements. If you start doing that, they will give you better information. As they give you better information, you will have better understanding what to do with their level, their stage four, and what stage, it, like what helped to get them. Again, I can't give you too much detailed information because I don't know all the other situations and I'm not actually your therapist. Okay, let's ask, answer one more and let's let them get out of here. And any other questions we didn't answer, we will answer on the podcast. They sent a bunch of questions in and we appreciate everybody. Thank you very much. And I will answer that. them. Here's the thing that I might recommend, and obviously I'm just a fan of this guy and what he does, but I obviously I subscribe to the podcast like the fights help so much for me, and now OG Therapy, what you're doing is amazing. That's, that's the one for, for guys. That's for, like the, dude that's for the dudes. The <laughs> but then there's, there, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Patreon before, but there's a way to get a more in-depth podcast from him and he does these episodes every week even multiple times it's five bucks a month though. it's five bucks a month and so if you wanted to pay a little bit I, that's what i've done as a as a dad and i'm like oh man i can ask him questions through this after i listen to a special episode it's been amazing i that's just my little plug for what you do but uh, i know for me the statements thing was so tough and it still is to not, you know, ask the question. And so someone did say, how do you ask simple questions that are everyday chores? Did you get your homework done? Did you practice? Did you shower? Did you brush your teeth? Just simple statements. How do you turn that into a statement? Yeah, turn those it questions? into a statement. Yeah, how do you turn those into a statement? Okay, you only get better at what you practice. And when you start to try to use statements, it will be very difficult and very hard. But you need reps. Come up with some statements and have them on deck. Everyone here has been in an argument with someone and they got the best of you and you didn't have a good comeback. And then an hour later, you're like, I should have said that. Dang it. Man, like, next time that happens, I'm going to give them a zinger. Even if it's a friend. Right? Guy, me and my buddies, we talk trash and if they get the best of me, I'm like, dang it. So you want to have some statements already queued up. So some statements for when, you, when they come home from school, very simple. They come home from school, instead of saying, hey, how was your day? I say, hey, listen, I've had a horrible day, so I don't want to talk about my day. But I'd love to hear your day, hear about your day if you want to talk about it. But if not, that's cool too. And I always call it mic drop, walk away. Teenagers love it when you act unpredictable. Because teenagers are unpredictable. So they're like, what's going on? So if you make statements that they're like, wait a second. My mom didn't question me. She didn't ask me what was going on. Even if you knew that they had some worries and some struggles, you just put the statement out there, walk away. Any baseball fans here? What is more confident than a walk-off homer? The guy sees a ball walk, like flying the sky and just slowly walks to the base. When someone's done with the concert, good night, Detroit, drops the mic, walks away. They're not coming back. When you tell your kid, hey, listen, I've got your back. I want to be here for you. But after a long day when I'm stressed out, I don't want to talk about stuff. Maybe you don't need to talk. Maybe you do. I'll leave it up to you. I'll be in the kitchen. I'm out. And walk away. They're like, dang. Mom or dad's kind of confident that I'm going to come talk to them. Okay. Then they'll come in like, why are you acting so weird? What's going on? Then they're curious about, they'll ask you a bunch of questions. So make sure you have statements queued up for every situation. When they come home late at night, whatever the typical argument is, come up with a statement. Instead of saying, why did you come home late? Why didn't you text me? You can say, hey, listen, I'm assuming you have a good reason why you didn't come home late. I'm not going to give you a consequence or punishment right now because if I did, you ain't going to like it. So let's do this. Let's talk in the morning. 
I'm glad you're home safely. I love you. Good night. And then in the morning when you've calmed down, you've had some, some breakfast in you, then you address the situation. Okay? I think that's, uh, thank you guys very much. We have one more, yeah. man. How well, can we get this class at Olympus High? <laughs> Well, um, I, <laughs> That's what thank you very ask. much. Um, I'm pretty confident that, that there's a really good chance that that's already in the workings to some degree. Um, but uh, I just, I just want to thank Jen, your principal here. If it wasn't for her and for my good friend over here, Katie Graham, I would not be here last year. The teachers would not have had me. I will be here on the stage on Friday. I'm bringing a good friend of mine, former University of Utah football player, Kenneth Scott. He's got an amazing story to share with these kids. This young man at 10 years old was carrying up his mom up the stairs as a single boy to her treatments for her kid, for dialysis, for kidney transplants. He is the best example of a young man. He will teach your kids that they are not what they've went through. If they've made a mistake, they can make up for it. And he's an amazing hip hop artist. He actually just performed at the University of Utah halftime show. Last year, ESPN bought the rights to two of his songs. They played his songs during the Pac-12 championship game and during the Rose Bowl. And he is an amazing person. Great example to you. So he and I will be talking to your kids on Friday. But in the meantime, I think there's a good chance we'll be having this uh, in this school in the near future. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. And I'll be here hanging out if you want to talk for a second. And also... Follow like the fight if you want the rest of your questions answered. Yeah, thank and you thank for coming. thank you to coming. my friend Jason. Hey, thank you guys for coming. If, don't forget your promise with David Kozlowski. That's right. Don't out. forget your promise to not freak out and your promise to ask no questions until you've made a statement. Thank you, guys. Thank Have you. a great night.